Morning Teacher. I'm Noelle Pickering. On the Good Morning Teacher podcast, we bring practical solutions to busy teachers because you can love your job and leave your work at school. Join us each week to talk through tools and strategies that help you maximize your time and effort both in the classroom and at home. I'm excited to cheer you on as you face the week ahead. Morning, teachers, you're listening to episode number 40. This month, we are focusing on instructional design and how you can make your lesson planning worthwhile, right? We're going to take the time and we're going to use energy to create a lesson plan, then it might as well be something that we can utilize not just this year, but for years to come. And so in episode 38, we discussed breaking down the standards and what it really means to unpack them. And then last week on the podcast, we discussed the importance of questioning what to ask, how to ask those questions, and how we can ensure that we are challenging our students beyond those recall type questions. So if you missed it, be sure to give it a listen at maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 39. Today, we're going to continue in this series by talking about something frequently referred to as the CRA method, sometimes the CRA sequence, and then the CRA framework. All of those mean the same thing, and it stands for concrete, representational, and abstract, and it is a critical way to help students move through their learning of specific math concepts. So let's do it. Now to fully explain the idea behind the CRA or concrete representational abstract framework, I find it's easiest to think about a small child who is learning to count. Now, children may learn to count um, using a pattern or a song. Think about them learning to count to 10. But at that point, the number in and of itself doesn't actually represent anything. This is kind of like when children can sing the ABC song, but they don't really have any concept of what that represents, right? They're just little. Then once they know these numbers, then we use them to teach them to count. Now, first, children may be counting blocks or toys or bears. Whatever it is, they are physically moving the item or pointing to the item or just counting it. And in fact, with my experience with my own kids, they actually have to learn that one-to-one correspondence, that they can only count one block and then move to the next one and count again. Not what you typically see at the beginning is that they'll count one and they keep counting as they move to the second block. And so while they're on block two, they may have said five at this point, right? So that one-to-one correspondence is an essential skill that they practice by actually touching or moving the block. Now, then they move on and they may be able to count dots on a page or something on a piece of paper that represents the same concept, stickers, something that is two-dimensional. And then lastly, they may be able to then look at a picture with five dots and they're not going to have to count it. They have learned visually what five looks like. This process that I just described takes place with all different math concepts, not just counting. And it's not just for small children or elementary school um, teachers and students. You name the grade level and I can name a math concept that this applies to. And so the CRA framework helps us to present this learning in a specific method to help tie all of these connections together. 
And so what I'm going to share today is fairly simple, but it does require a little bit of thought when we're planning, and it's worthwhile to consider it when you're thinking about the beginning of a unit. And so that's why we thought it would be such a great fit in this instructional design um, series. So if you're unfamiliar with the CRA framework, then we're going to break it down in today's episode. Okay, so first up, what is CRA? Well, remember, CRA, Concrete Representational Abstract, is frequently referred to as a sequence, a framework, or a method. And this teaching method breaks down the concept. It could be any concept, but frequently we think about multiplication, subtraction with regrouping, integer operations, into a very methodical process where students move from one phase to the next. Now, sometimes it's referred to a sequence where you're thinking that you're moving step one, step two, step three, but more so, and maybe a little bit more inclusive is the idea of it being called a framework. And it shows that all three of these representations can be used simultaneously. So in the example of, let's say, solving equations for a middle school student, students would actually physically use algebra tiles. They would draw a picture of the algebra tiles that they've used, and then they would write it mathematically or algebraically all at the same time. So those are all three of the parts of the framework being utilized for one concept. So let's discuss what it means to actually be concrete. So when students have a concrete understanding of a mathematical concept, they're utilizing manipulatives to demonstrate the math. So for example, going back to that counting um, example, we are physically touching or moving the items that a, a child is counting. In doing this, he's developing that one-to-one -one correspondence that I mentioned, and he's internalizing that each item represents one. Now, our middle school students learn to solve equations. We want them using algebra tiles to physically remo uh, remove manipulatives from both sides of the equations, and it's helping students to internalize that an equation must remain balanced, which is one of the key concepts or key foundational skills in understanding for solving equations. So practice with concrete manipulatives like algebra tiles takes time and energy, and it's not super easy to facilitate with 30 plus students. So that's why we want to be purposeful in our lesson planning so we can find just the right times to utilize it. Now, another barrier may be that manipulatives are a little bit expensive or hard to come by. So remember that not every student has to have their own set. In fact, I love working with partners in manipulatives because it just automatically um, divides our number of manipulatives needed by two and it helps them to work together. And then remember that this is also very foundational and very important for students who maybe have a hard time or a shaky math foundation. So this is really going to benefit them as well as other students. And then another reason that I love the idea of using something concrete is that students are using their kinesthetic learning style. They're engaging with the content in a deeper way. And those abstract concepts like isolate the variable, right? That, what does that mean? Well, it's given meaning when we're actually moving the algebra tiles. And so it may seem a little bit time consuming, but remember this is um, critical so that they can move to that conceptual understanding and they're not just following a bunch of steps or a procedure. Now, 
The second letter, R, represents representational. And when we're thinking about that, we're talking about moving students from actually touching and utilizing the physical materials to a drawing or a picture that represents those materials. So again, moving from counting blocks to maybe looking at a domino and knowing how many dots are on the domino or looking at a die and recognizing what that number, um, counting those dots, right? In the case of our middle school students and solving equations, this would look like drawing or sketching algebra tiles, um, creating a key and demonstrating how the process works by maybe crossing them off as they move, um, as they show, you know, we're removing different things from the equation and the idea that it's staying balanced. And we actually see this quite a bit in middle school from um, integer counters, those red and yellow counters being sketched to a graph that's representing a re linear relationship, our standards include many representational aspects. And also when we think about standardized testing, they can't really test the model as well. They, I mean, obviously there's no physical model, so they're going to test using a representation. And again, this is a little bit easier to incorporate in your classroom because you don't necessarily need additional materials. Um, and generally it just is a little bit more what I would consider doable. But I want to um, remind you that it doesn't actually hit that concrete phase, which is really important for our students learning. So while mentally you may be able to say, oh, well, they're drawing a picture. It's about the same thing. Remember, if and when you can give them opportunities to experience the math in a concrete way, it gives more meaning to the representational um, aspect of it. And it also can kind of be a little bit tricky if they haven't done that concrete phase because they may not really understand what's happening. You know, in the example of integers, if we're removing zero pairs, well, that makes sense. You're actually clearing them off. But if you haven't done that, just crossing off um, a zero pair may have a little bit less meaning. So that's something to keep in mind at that representational phase. Lastly, we talk about the abstract. And math honestly can be very abstract. When you think about solving an equation and finding the value of X, well, why are we doing this? What's happening? Why do we need to know this? The value of X in and of itself is abstract. It's always changing. It doesn't actually mean anything without the context. And I think this is where it is difficult for students who have a um, shaky math foundation or who have struggled in the past, when we don't provide context for learning or for the application of the abstract, it just can seem a little bit confusing. And I think of all of those cartoons where, it, you know, the question is like, well, what's X or what is the value of X? And there's a little arrow drawn, like, what are we talking about, right? Sometimes there are students who are really thinking that. And so I think this also warrants the phase like, when we hear from our students, I don't get it. Many times students don't even know what to ask because the content is, or the context is missing. So when math becomes too procedural, you might risk students understanding the process, going through the motions, and then still not really understanding what is happening or why they're doing it. And that's where we see that lack of number sense coming in. When I was a student, I was taught solely in the abstract. Um, I wasn't until I had a teacher trying to make sense of models before I had several aha moments. I kept asking myself, why didn't I learn this when I was a student? And you may relate to that. 
So whenever we talk about something new, I always kind of like to think of the framework or the idea of like, well, what is the best practice for using this? And so again, remember, this is a framework, not a sequence necessarily. And so we want to incorporate concrete, representational, and abstract thinking for our students. Now, I was doing a little bit of research and I found this quote from Shelly Gray. And she says, when you teach a math lesson, make sure your goal is to incorporate concrete representational abstract into the same lesson. This way you can be certain that you're differentiating for all of your students, regardless of where they are in their understanding. And I think the impetus here is that students are visually seeing it all together so that they see the same equation represented differently and they can tie those skills together. And it does naturally lead to differentiation. You're scaffolding, using different parts of the brain, and eventually allowing students to work with a method that they feel most comfortable with. Now, you as the teacher can make sure that you're using different methods when you're tackling problems. Just because you taught the algorithm for multiplying fractions already doesn't mean that you can't prove it with a model or demonstrate it with a model or a representation as you go. This ensures that students aren't forgetting how to use the model or the representation in and of themselves and they're seeing it again all together. So as a quick recap, we broke down what the CRA framework is and why we can utilize math models. In fact, why they are so critical. Make sure to come back next week where we talk about how to execute this framework in your classroom with ideas and tips and tricks. It might seem a little bit impossible in a classroom full of students and a long list of standards to teach, but we are going to give you that how next week. And don't forget to grab our lesson planning template that goes along with this instructional design series and tune in next week for the CRA part two. I hope these episodes are making your commute to work a little more enjoyable and that you're able to take these ideas and make them work in your own classroom. If you've been enjoying the podcast, then we would love a five-star review. It helps us to be found by other teachers. For all of the links, resources, and freebies mentioned today in one easy place, check out maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 40. I'm Noelle Pickering, and you've been listening to the Good Morning Teacher Podcast. Until next time, friends, make it a great week. Bye.